Welcome to Healthcare is Human, a monthly podcast featuring authentic storytelling and healthcare with your host, Dr. Ryan McCarthy. You're listening to Healthcare is Human. This is Ryan McCarthy, and I'm going to have um, this gentleman in front of me introduce himself. Good morning. I'm Charles Hydorn, better known as Chuck. Chuck, um, we are standing in the uh, Berkeley Rec Center, and um, before I put the microphone in front of my face, you told me that you have a story from the last couple of years. You kind of gave me some teasers that it was uh, interesting. Where do you want to start? Well, I'll start back in August of 21. Um, we had gone to church on Sunday, and everything was fine. Monday, went uh, and played golf. Everything was fine. And then we were supposed to fly out on Friday to uh, Lake Mary, Florida, Sanford area. And uh, Wednesday night, I just started feeling really bad. And then I don't remember much. And my better half uh, called for EMS. I do not remember anything except waking up in the emergency room at uh, WVU Martinsburg and was there for two and a half or three days, and they determined that I was uh, septic, I think. Um, Anyway, they didn't have the doctors here to deal with that, and it was at the height of the COVID situation, and all the hospitals were full, and they ended up, they had one bed in Morgantown, and they shipped me to Morgantown, and I was over there for five or six days, great care they took care of me they cleared the infection and they sent me home well that was really good but i'd only been home about two weeks feeling real bad again she calls an ambulance they take me to martinsburg they determined that i have nine abscesses on my liver so they had to put in two drains in martinsburg and take care of that situation then of course i had home health care for probably about six weeks, uh, all through um, WVU. And and then um, they said, well, your gallbladder's bad. So they scheduled uh, surgery with um, WVU here in Martinsburg, and they took my gallbladder out. And that was December 1st. And I recovered pretty well, but just recently, went and talked to my doctor, who's Dr. Kathy Funk, um, here in town. And um, she says that she diagnosed me and she wants me to do some follow-up that um, she said, I'm going through a form of um, PTSD and uh, uh, et cetera, related to the illnesses. Wow, Chuck, you know, um, just a moment ago, you told me you had a story Boy, it's an epic tale. Um, it actually sounds like 10 stories. I want to back up. Um, you mentioned all sorts of things. You know, I'm a doctor in Martinsburg. I trained in Morgantown. One of my children was born in Ruby Memorial. Okay, that's the hospital where I started. But when you said at the beginning, when you initially got sick, it was the height of the COVID pandemic. Let's go back and talk about that. How did that complicate everything at the beginning for you? And the pandemic made things really complicated because 
although Martinsburg didn't have the physicians that could do the procedure that needed to be done, the physicians were available at other facilities, for instance, Winchester, Inova, uh, and those places, but they had no beds. And fortunately, WVU had one bed in Morgantown, and uh, the doctor came in and said, uh, you're going to go for a ride. Take a couple hours, but we got to send you. And they took me to Morgantown. Now, there you are. You're extremely sick at the beginning of this. Obviously, being sick is a stressful time, no matter what, under the best of circumstances. I mean, having been at the bedside with many sick people, it's stressful. We're thinking about mortality. We're thinking about everything. But then I'm so glad that you mentioned the COVID lockdown and the bed, the gridlock. Uh, as a doctor during the pandemic, I mean, that affected everything that we did. And so um, when you get up into Morgantown, um, just describe what that experience was like, because you did. You got the last bed. You got the last spot. OK, so we've made it through one hurdle. Um, describe how you were feeling while you were up in Morgantown. Obviously still sick. But what was it like? Uh, I guess uh, I was I was scared. I was concerned. I didn't know what was going to happen, how it was going to happen, who was going to do it. Uh, I'm in a strange environment. And, you know, she drove back and forth basically every day, I think. She might have missed one day, but that was a two-and-a-half-hour trip for her one way. Wait, Chuck, you, you mean your wife drove up and back to Morgantown over the Allegheny front? Right. Holy cow. You said daily? How, how, and how long did that go on for? Uh, five days. Five or six days, yeah. She missed one day, and, and as I got better and they were ready to release me, um, I, I asked the doctor, I said, uh, well, is there a chance you can keep me for a few more days? And he said, well, why would you want to do that? And I said, well, my window is right in the end zone looking down the field, and I like to see, I like to see the home game. Oh, goodness, that makes me smile. I, uh, having worked in Ruby Memorial, I know that you can look right in uh, to Milan Pushkar Stadium there. Uh, that's, uh, I love that detail. Um, now, um, we were talking, um, and the pandemic has made many of us think about so many things. So let's talk about gratitude for a second. Um, what today... What are some of the things that you're most grateful for, having been through just a once-in-a-lifetime experience? Uh, I'm grateful that I came through the experience. Uh, grateful to her, grateful to our church. Um, and I, I just, I'm 79 years old, but recently I've lost a lot of friends that are a lot younger than I am. And I'm very thankful that the good Lord saw fit. There's some job out here for me. I don't know what it is, but I do know it's not professional golf. Uh, <laughs> but there's something that I can do to help somebody. And that's what I'm grateful for. Well, I'll tell you, Chuck, right now you're, you're helping me as a part of the Healthcare is Human project. You have exactly the kind of story that we want to preserve. Somebody who has been through a lot, affected by covid wants to preserve that story, 
Um, so I am so extremely grateful that, that you're telling this. Uh, you mentioned that professional golf is not the next chapter for you. Uh, what's, what's led you to come to that conclusion? Just the, um, the fact that they tell me I have a bad shoulder that needs to be replaced. I'm saying, no, we're not going to replace it. We're going to change my swing. Well, I did that. And um, it significantly changed my game. <laughs> but at least I can go out there, swing club, hit the ball. Not competitively, but enjoyably. I have a lot of people who come into my office, and uh, the golfers are always complaining about how bad their game is and what's not right and the balls they lost, and they want to fix this, and they need some new clubs. I always look at them and I say, did you have any fun? And then they kind of shrug maybe. And I, I mention that because all of my patients, Chuck, who come in and who like to fish and not golf, right. they always have fun. They're, ne they're never complaining. They always have a good story. Right, so right. I always encourage people to make, make their golf game more like fishing. Yeah. Well, and, and that's true. I mean, I'm thankful that I can get out there and the score doesn't really bother me. I mean, at 79 years old, that's pretty good that I can get out there and do 18 holes of golf every now and then. Not every day, not three times a week, but I do get that opportunity, and and that's good. As we're standing here, I see um, you've got um, you got American flags uh, on your white shirt. Right. Um, tell me about uh, a, a little bit about your shirt. Well, I bought the shirt at the golf club uh, in Winchester that uh, we remember that um, they had a lot of these on the rack, and I said that's a nice shirt. And uh, being a veteran from back in the '60s. I said, you know, I'm proud to wear that. So I bought the shirt. I always thank veterans for their service. And um, where and when did you serve? I served back in the, in the uh, early mid-60s and uh, was with the Air Force, the 11th Air Refueling Squadron. We, uh, I was in security, but um, the only plane we could refuel in midair were the old B-47s. And we flew on the turboprop KC-97s. We had to be at max speed, and the 47s had to be at idle speed to make the connection for fueling. And many times I've been on the aircraft and uh, heard the 47 pilots call up, breakaway, breakaway. <laughs> they needed power. They didn't need fuel. They needed to get out of Dodge, you know. But uh, it, was, it was a good experience. Um, <clears throat> Uh, I, had the, I was asked if I wanted to re-up, and um, I said, sure, if you'll retrain me. So, and the uh, colonel said, what do you want to be? And I said, I want to go to Amarillo and train as a bombardier on a 52, and I want to go to NAM. And uh, he said, I'll check. He got back to me a few days later. He said, no openings. What's your next choice? I said, discharge. <laughs> You know, uh, I appreciate you sharing that story. And, um, you know, we're, we're both standing here in Martinsburg, West Virginia. And, you know, as a mountaineer, having gone through the pandemic, yeah, for my, my friends and family that don't live here, you know, every story was different. Every community was different. Since you experienced a pretty dramatic health situation during the pandemic, do you think there was anything unique about West Virginia about the way we do things, whether healthcare, you mentioned family, you mentioned church. You know, we're not, we're not a big city. We're a small town. That kind of stuff. How do you think it played into your experience, your care, those kind of things? Well, I think it, I think it was critical. Now, my family doctor, 
I was one of her first patients when she came out of WVU, uh, Dr. Kathy Funk. Um, and I have a relationship with her that I can call her cell phone. I have her home number. She took care of my mother-in-law. She took care of my wife. She's taking care of me. She's taking care of uh, Lynn. And she's taking care of my granddaughter and her husband. So we have a family connection with Dr. Funk. Um, I just think that the WVU small town medicine is just exceptional in the fact that you, you're dealing with people that you, you see and you know and you develop a relationship. My wife was in the Washington Hospital Center, MedStar, and had a um, um, major heart surgery and bypass leg surgery, et cetera. Um, those people were very nice, but it was a job. And just an error that was made, and I happened to be there after she had had her leg surgery, we were getting ready to check out and waiting for the doctor to come in and sign off. And a nurse came in and said, well, I have your transfusion. I said, what are you talking about? I said, she's being discharged. Well, right here, she's getting a blood transfusion. I said, you're not doing anything until we get the doctor in here. And it was a mistake that was made in the blood bank or the lab somewhere. But had I not been there, my wife was going through some very traumatic things, and she might have agreed to that. And I think that we're so fortunate to be in a small community where everybody knows everybody. Chuck, along those lines, um, uh, I've got three kids, and when they were smaller, we would often stop at the grocery store on the way home from school, and my kids would famously say things like, Dad, we're going in to get milk or bread or eggs or whatever, and they would say, listen, don't talk to any of your old teachers, don't talk to any patients. <laughs> Because I could hardly go anywhere without somebody giving somebody a hug, you know, in the grocery store or something. So what you're describing is definitely the life that I live. And it's, I find it on the other side, as the, as the medical doctor, I find it intensely satisfying. Oh, and, and, and I think you should. And as a patient, it is super satisfying. Um, it's having seen the big scene with the MedStar, and they're a fine facility. I'm not putting them down. Um, but they have, a, they have a job to do, and it's point A to point B to point C. And what I find with local Martinsburg, Dr. Funk or any of the doctors, for either one of us, um, they take the time to listen. They take the time to follow up. Their office will call. They'll send me a my chart message. You know, here's what the doctor recommends. Here's what happened at your appointment. And that, I think that's, to me, that's critically important. Well, my goodness, Chuck, I really appreciate you taking the time to share this story with Healthcare is Human. Well, I thank you for the opportunity. And thank everyone at um, Martinsburg, um, WBU Martinsburg, certainly Morgantown, and the doctors and nurses at both places. This is Ryan McCarthy. You've been listening to Healthcare is Human. 
You've been listening to Healthcare is Human, stories from the healthcare ecosystem, ideas to change our health culture. This project was created by Ryan McCarthy. It was inspired by the hardworking staff of the Berkeley Medical Center. Be sure to check out the Healthcare is Human Facebook page to see amazing photographs by Molly Humphreys of Shepherdstown, West Virginia. You can find Molly's world-class portfolio by searching for Piccadilly Posh. Original music is by Isaac McCarthy, the one-man band. Kim Mattioli engineers the podcast. Some of our stories are featured in 100 Days in Appalachia. Check them out online at 100daysinappalachia.com. This project is supported by a grant from the West Virginia Humanities Council. Thanks to the Reed College of Media at our Mountain Mama, West Virginia University. Mountaineers go first. And remember, the next time you go to the hospital, a clinic, and urgent care, be sure to keep in mind that healthcare is human. human.